Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. One week out from the season opener for the Fighting Illini. We'll talk about that in several segments uh, this morning. The baseball races are heating up a little bit. Mr. Tate is in the house. All yep. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, we're coming down the stretch in baseball and just starting football. Baseball last night out west in Phoenix. The Cardinals beat Arizona 5-1. to one. Earlier in the day, they got an assist from the Cubs, who beat the Brewers 8-7. to seven. Cubs have won seven of their last ten games. And the Cardinals now lead Milwaukee by four. Yeah, that's a good lead, but uh, you got to keep going. The yeah. pitching staff has just been, ever since they made the deal, uh, you get Montgomery and Quintana. Everybody's pitching better. Wainwright's pitching good. Nicholas was sharp last night. He was, and uh, Paul yeah. Goldschmidt continues to to do anything but or do nothing but hit and play great defense. Yeah, he's he's got a real hold on the MVP if he keeps going. I don't know. Uh, I mean, n- nobody else can give you the, all the, the batting average, the home runs, the RBIs, and the f- defensive. You got to count the fielding because he is really good defensively. The Cardinals have ha- been really fortunate in their history to have some really good fielding first basemen. I go back to Hernandez and all the way through, and man, uh, what this guy's doing is is sensational. A lot of folks they say that Hernandez is the best ever Cardinal mm-hmm. first baseman. Mm-hmm. Goldie's got to be pushing that, I think. Mm-hmm. He's got to be yep. challenging that. The uh, Cardinals have, I'm looking to make sure I'm right on this. Yes, they've got seven straight games now without an error. Mm-hmm. Did not make an error last night. And their schedule is one of the, uh, they, they play one of the weakest schedules in baseball down the stretch, and they have three series left with Milwaukee, and two of them are home. So they're, they have some advantages, but you still have to win the game. They go to Chicago. Uh, after this weekend, the first of the week for five games in four days. Oh, really? With the Cubs. Five in four days. Five huh? and four. Let's go to the phones. Alan down in Montrose has a baseball topic this morning. Go ahead, sir. Morning, guys. Uh, 
Last uh, Sunday, I went to the uh, Cardinal game, and I thought it'd probably be the last time I'd ever see Abba Pujols play, and uh, he did not disappoint. He had two home runs that day. Isn't that amazing? Now you're beginning to wonder if it is the last time you'll get a chance to see him. Yeah, he and Wainwright are playing so well in their final season. Right. And, of course, Molina's final season. Well, Wayno has not said it's his final season. Mm -hmm. People think it is, but I don't, uh, I'm uh, thinking it's not. Poole says it is. He, he's done. He, they interviewed him. They asked him that question, and he said, no, I'm done. Well, He says, my body ain't what it used to be. I get that, but they, so. if I was them, I would find a place for him somewhere in a mentoring role because he's. I think he's such a key guy in the dugout for those young guys. Well, I agree, and I think he's enjoying the game uh, a lot. Uh, coming back, you know, enjoying the final season, enjoying the game, and he's smiling all the time. I have to say, guys, I never got to see oh, like Maine, Heron, and uh, Mantle till the end of the seasons. But uh, I think Abba Pujols is probably the best player uh, I've seen in my lifetime. Well, it'd be hard to argue with that. Yep. His stats are starting to stack up with the greats of all time. It's a shame that he had a couple of down years to where his career batting average has dipped it a little bit under 300. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. I don't think he'll get that all the way back. But he's 290-something, so <laughs> that's not bad, obviously. Well, everybody's batting average is yes. 50 points below what right. it was years ago. Yep. What else is on your mind, my Alan? Concern is, my concern is uh, DeYoung is – Batting like he did earlier in the season. He's striking yep. out a lot now. I think he struck out 10 times out of the last 15. Yeah, He looked like he did earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, they got a choice to make there of, of moving Edmonds back and putting Gorman at second base. They tried that before, and that might be where yep. they wind up. Yeah, he's not batting his weight anymore. He's down under 180, I think, and struck out four times last night. Well, last Sunday he was at 197, and now he's down to, I think, 174 or 5. Right. So, uh, I got my season tickets for the football season. I'm ready to go. What's your prediction? You got a prediction? If we have a quarterback, if we have a quarterback, we can win seven or eight games. If we don't have a quarterback, maybe four, maybe. Well, I think that the, the quarterback situation is uh, it's, it's just basically I think we've got almost the same guy we had last year uh, in that uh, DeVito's got some of the same qualities as Peters, although he's more of a fiery guy. He's more of a leader, I think. That was something that uh, was, was kind of a semi-problem, Steve, over the, over the three years that Peters was here. They were always trying to, both coaching staffs, he coached under two staffs, he was, they were trying to get him to be more outgoing, to more, uh, more of a leader, and it just didn't come natural for him. I mean, it really, uh, I, I, I think back to an interview that I was listening to. He was talking to a group of, of uh, reporters that had him kind of cornered, and right behind us, maybe five, six feet away, was another interview going on. I could hear the guy back there <laughs> clearly, and I could barely hear what he was saying. He just didn't project. Soft-spoken, yeah. Yeah, soft-spoken, didn't project. And I think that was a part of the concern that they had as far as leadership and on the field. But I don't know. I mean, that's talk. I thought Peters did a we pretty good job. We just need consistent play. Excuse me? We just need consistent play from the quarterback. 
Well, yeah. He just would have good games and then bad games, and uh, you just got to be more consistent than that. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All right, Alan. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Uh huh. Do, do you have the lines open? Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We're going to talk Illinois football on this show coming up in uh, just a few minutes with uh, Jay Lehman. He will join us after our first break to talk about uh, the start of the season next week. At nine thirty, Nick Quartero will join us. He's known uh, in the business kind of as Coach Q. We're going to talk some uh, Big Ten and college football with him. Leading off the uh, second hour of the show, Craig McDonald, who is working with Illini Guardians, will join us for a few minutes to talk about a subscription plan that the Guardians have put into place. And then coming up at uh, 1030 on the show today, Reese Monaco is the play-by-play voice of the uh, Wyoming Cowboy football team in his first year actually he's been on the broadcast for several years but he is in the first year as the play-by-play guy their uh, previous longtime play-by-play man retired so Reese Monaco will join us at 10 30 to talk about the Cowboys in the meantime the phone lines are open 217-356-9397 other baseball score from last night we gave you the Cardinals and the Cubs the White Sox lost to the Guardians five to two the Sox are just doing in the last 10 games what they've done all year they're just right about 500 they're five and five and they've fallen three and a half games now behind Cleveland yeah about the time you think they're gonna pull out of it they just slip back it's it's been a the whole season this way yep and uh, the college football season gets going as we mentioned a couple of interesting games next week we'll talk about uh, between now and then you've got the northwestern nebraska game yeah nebraska's favored in that kind of uh Two coaches going different directions there in that game with uh, Scott Frost needing every win he can get. And Pat Fitzgerald's pretty comfortable. Uh, it seems he could stay uh, probably in Evanston as long as he wants. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any problem on him getting fired. Right. Either. But he, uh, he, I don't think he wants to have another season like last season. They, were, they really fell apart. And the thing, Northwestern just pops up when you least expect it. The volleyball season opens a week from today as well for the Fighting Illini, who were picked number 17 in the country this week in the preseason volleyball poll. Tough opener. They play the number nine team in the country, uh, Georgia Tech, down in Oxford, Mississippi next weekend. So that is uh, what's coming up. Soccer team plays tomorrow. They've opened their season with a win the other night over Illinois State. 1-0. 1-0 late in that game. And uh, they play Toledo tomorrow at home if you want to watch some soccer. Text question, when does Monday morning quarterbacking return? Just next Monday. The Monday uh, uh, just the Monday prior we're, we're, to the game. This Monday, okay. this coming Monday. Gotcha. We're going we're, we're gonna to do uh, one hour from uh, 10 to 11 this week, and then the, uh, the rest of them will be the full two hours. Okay. Got your all set for... Your pre-game questions, and then it'll be your post-game questions. And <laughs> they should have done this, should have done that. Yeah. But Illinois is a ten-point favorite in that uh, first ball game. Okay, we'll talk some Illinois football with Jay Lehman when we come back. Stay with us. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS and ninety-three-nine FM. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead 
To allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock, labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Fella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, PellaofChampaign.com. I'm Steve Kelly. One guy that I know is ready for some college football is Jay Lehman, who is with us in the studio. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Saying you're ready for college football, is that a bit of an understatement? Uh, a bit. I mean, I like that we have this week zero game two weeks in a, uh, two years in a row. I think that's a good little marketing thing, and I think it kicks the season off earlier. I'm not sure if we get more practices than other teams or what. I think we do. I think we're allowed to start a little bit earlier, yep. and then you get that extra bye week. Yeah. So I guess mm-hmm. that works. And a lot has happened since uh, the three of us got together around yeah. the microphones. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the expansion of the Big Ten and where it's going? Yeah, so what I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I think it's an essential thing. I got to talk to, to Bob Asmussen maybe a month or two ago about that. I think it was, we're going to look back and say, of course, that makes sense, right? Um, I don't care about, I, I think these, these old school rivalries or these, geographical boundaries in, in this internet age and the phone age just doesn't make any sense. I don't think kids really care. I don't think people that are younger than 30 really care. So uh, I think it makes sense economically. I'm not sure how the conference will be divided up or if the Big Ten West just got a lot tougher or if Illinois then shifts into the East because they're kind of right on the line then. Uh, but we'll see. So I think it's a good thing overall. Well, maybe there's no divisions at all. Sure. And, and I don't understand that. I mean, and if they're not done, and I think you probably think they're not done, I think they're not done at some point. I right. think they're waiting for Notre Dame to, to right. finalize. And, and uh, maybe once this college football playoff thing is set, we'll know for sure whether Washington's going to come in, whether Oregon's going to yeah. come in. If they do, they will shatter the Pac-12. Oh, I, I mean, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have been put on notice. I think the Big 12 has obviously had a bunch taken over to the SEC. They've already had two teams and two more teams are going over there with Texas, Oklahoma. They already had A&M and Missouri go over there. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Big 12 is going to be eaten up by the SEC. The ACC, obviously, Notre Dame's kind of in the conference a little bit. They play about five or six ACC games. Mm-hmm. Yep. So obviously the Big Ten wants to get in that. I think Clemson's probably will, will go to the SEC and then the Pac-12 will go to the Big Ten. It's going to be Fox and whatnot versus ESPN ABC, I think. That's what it's going to be. Well, let's talk about this Illinois football sure. team. Let's go with the linebackers, first of all. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I was uh, surprised to see Barnes as a captain this year. That's an, that's an indication that uh, he's maybe a, a moved up the ladder a little bit as a performer, as, sure. as a leader on the team. And, of course, they got the heart back from uh, sure. injury last year and by and Darkangelo, a transfer from Northern Michigan, are yeah. the top three. Yeah, so first of all, Isaac Darkangelo has all-name team. That's just a great name. <laughs> You know, you got to put that up there with some of the great ones. But I think Tariq Barnes has always surprised us. I mean, he came in for Hanson when Hanson got hurt a couple years ago uh, in the Wisconsin game, really played well. Uh, I think they recruited him out of Memphis and wasn't that highly touted, but has always been mm-hmm. solid when he's played. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not surprised to see him. So the Kalen Tolson kind of went out and, you know, he went to the draft. We didn't think he was going to leave. And so he's kind of stepped in that role. Calvin Hart. Didn't play a ton of NC State. Played against a good, played behind a good player, but then the one game he played, he sure played good against Nebraska. So you know, I I think the backers. I'm I'm I, I feel better about the inside backers than I do about the outside backers. I, the outside backers, we we were losing Carney and Gay, and mm-hmm. I, I felt like if there was a guy that actually two guys that really improved throughout their tenure, oh 
they really improved. And um, I think when you have those outside backers, you'll remember this. You know, my, 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 one of my heroes growing up, uh, other than Dana Howard, was Andy Katzenmoyer. And Andy Katzenmoyer played linebacker as a freshman for the Ohio State Buckeyes. They unretired Archie Griffin's number. You Illini fans just got to love me talking about this. But they had a defensive end named Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. And when Vrabel played, Great player. Katzenmoyer was a lot better. And so your de- your your a lot of times your linebacker can get everything sucked into him if your defensive ends or outside backers are really good. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. And, and when, when Vrabel graduated, Katzenmoyer went down his sophomore year because he didn't have a better he didn't have that D line in front of him. So I'm concerned about our linebackers if our outside backers, our middle linebackers, if our outside backers aren't as stout as they were last year. Talking to Jay Lehman, what improvements did you see last year in the defense as the season went along? It sure. kind of started after the Virginia blowout. So sure. What did they do differently? Yeah, well, what, what was what was interesting to me is he started using Sidney Brown in a really unique way. Uh, Sydney started moving all the way around, kind of like the old monster man in these old defenses. You know, the old high school defense was you ran a 4-4, four down linemen, four linebackers, and one of those linebackers was a monster man. He went around. And that's kind of what Sydney Brown did. They did all kinds of different, and then they game-planned unique for each team, which is kind of an NFL team, NFL thing, you know, where you have each team and you game-plan. For instance, when they played Minnesota, I saw Minnesota is a big RPO team, run-pass option team, where they run the zone or they throw the slant to one of their receivers. And what I saw is they brought Sidney Brown right down where that slant would hit on the hash number and just sat him there, you know. Then they backed up one of the linebackers um, and, and, you know, put him right in the slant. So they took the slants away and said, okay, we know you're going to throw here. Now you got to run the ball. So just the game plan, they did that differently. And I think what helped, too, is they were able to get pressure on the quarterback later in the in the in the year. You know, they just they just got more pressure from Carney and Gay. Yeah, Carney really improved. And, and and I'll say this, it all works together when Newton and and Keith Randolph are are healthy. It's a load with four guys up there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that can actually create some pressure from the interior defensive linemen. That's defensive talk. Let's go to the offense where Illinois will run the ball effectively. They've shown that with yeah. Chase Brown sure. and uh, some veterans on the offensive line. But sure. the question is, I think, can they pass the ball for more than 150 yards a game? Well, I think that's why Barry Lunny Jr. is here, right? Because we couldn't throw the ball. And, uh, you know, I think even even for Brett Bielema, it was too much running, not enough passing. That's why Peterson was out, right? And so Tony Peterson got, gets replaced by Barry Lunny Jr. Didn't show much in the spring game. I know they've iced you guys all out of practice. You guys used to be with us at Camp Rantoul watching us and could have a yeah. better feel with it. I wish well, we had to see Lovey, more. When, when Lovey was working out, we could watch all those. Yeah, because you were at the, pre- at the practice fields mm-hmm. over there yeah. at the, yeah. near the South Farms and whatnot. So you could see you could see stuff. I, I don't have any idea what it's, what it's going to look like, but I do think they're going to be in a shotgun more, and I think they're going to try to run the football out of that. Obviously, Chase Brown's our best player. I'm still concerned about who they throw the football to. I mean, I think Isaiah Williams is good. He's 5'8 now, guys. You got The problem with being 5'8, you got to really be accurate to a 5'8 guy. Well, it's a bigger guy. You can throw it anywhere and you got to catch it. So I'm a little bit concerned about who they throw the football to. I think tight end, I'd love to see Luke Ford continue to progress. I know Barker transferred to Michigan State. Who's going to fill that void? Maybe well, a Ford friend. hadn't been practicing. I guess he's just returning this weekend. Really? To, to, yeah, he's been out for. I don't know how how many days, Steve. At least a week. Yeah, four or five days at least with uh, an undisclosed medical problem. That could be anything. They they don't tell you. It, much it, about it that. could be COVID. It could be a, a knee injury. We could don't know. A, right? Could be a concussion. A concussion. Yeah. Right. Right. 
So I, I guess I'm concerned who they're going to throw the football to. I'd love to see them throw it to our, our backs are some of our best players. I'd love mm-hmm. to get the backs in the in the game. I'd love to see Chase Brown out there with McCray more. I'd love to have Chase Brown go out to a little slot receiver, you know, and put McCray in the backfield or vice versa. I, I just think there's a lot of different things you can do. Well, they're throwing to Brown. We we saw a little bit of that. They're going to throw to him without a doubt. Sure. And they and we we kind of catch up on what the coaches say. You know, try to. And, you, and they're talking about him as being a receiver. Okay. You know, in situations. So, but uh, what about the quarterback situation? What? How do you feel about DeVito and what do you know about him? Well, he's not a quarterback that's never played. The guy's thrown for over, you know, almost 3,000 yards in, mm-hmm. you know, his career. He's had some touchdowns. He did get beat out at Syracuse in, in that system. But he's got some experience and he's, you know, I think he's like 24 years old or something. I saw he turned 24. These guys are so old with the COVID year now in the red shirt. I mean, yeah, they're. Pelshevsky and Pilsner are 60 year guys. I mean, yeah, it's just, and I think what uh, Marques, I think, is a 60 year guy. I mean, yeah. so they got they yeah. got a bunch of guys that are that are 60 year guys. But I would just say, um, I think it's going to be DeVito's job to lose. I would say he's kind of the, the front runner with what he does in spring. I don't think Art got a fair shake last year. I mean, he kind of, you know, came in in relief of Peterson who wasn't necessarily a uh, Peter, excuse me, but wasn't 100% healthy. That's what they said. And so I think DeVito's going to be the guy. Here, if you can pick up two or three first downs to extend drives with your legs, that's a big deal for an offense that struggles. I got a problem with that because the reason he didn't start at Syracuse is because they wanted to run the ball with their quarterback more. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're. The reason he was moved he out benched. is because they had a, a quicker quarterback. Okay. So uh, to say that he's a better runner than Sitkowski, I'm sure is accurate. But I, how good is he as as a I, as a mobile well, quarterback? That, well, that's a fair statement to make. I think he's got to be more mobile than I don't think Sitkowski did much running the football. So he's better. No. Yeah. And maybe he's only good for two or three got two or three runs a day a game to keep him honest on the zone play. Maybe that's, that's about what it. Peters did. Yeah, Peters was more mobile than people gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just at times had problems with his accuracy. That was the biggest thing. Here's what I want to know. As a former Illinois player, and now you're watching how they're going about this. With, I think they've got 26 uh, uh, ju- transfers. On I started to say two junior college uh, guards uh, yeah. that, that are likely to start. And, and so many. How do you feel about that as opposed to when you came into school and then guys went to school four years and the yeah. fourth year you graduated and that was it? Well, stuff always changes, right? NIL and everything else. There's, everything's always evolving and changing. I think for me it feels very NFL-ish where people are transferring all the time and you, you don't really build the relationships. You know, NFL teams turn yeah. over 40, 50 percent of the roster. They're bottom 40 all the time. They keep their, their core 10 to 15 guys. But – I liked it better where, hey, we're here for four or five years. There were some drastic penalties to, to transfer at that time. I think you would lose yeah. your eligibility unless you yeah. went down a level. And I don't think you could be on scholarship in another Big Ten school. Yeah, well, that's right. I think that was – I think is that is that what oh, it was? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Think, we, so, had, we had several players uh, named Je- uh, Jeff George being one right. in football, uh, Holcomb being one in basketball, who trans- he, Holcomb transferred from Indiana – and couldn't get a scholarship here and played here. So same thing so, with George. So, so, they, so they, there you have it. So it's like it's like there was pretty drastic penalties. So you were you were kind of stuck here mm-hmm. uh, if you didn't want to lose your eligibility to go to another D one school. So I preferred that. I do think the players needed some more rights. I think it went like the pendulum swung. Wait, we got all kinds of rights for players. They might be running the ship now, <laughs> but you know the money's just gotten bigger, right? I mean, it's just gotten gotten huge. I don't know what Mike White got paid in the eighties. But the money's gotten huge. It's getting 
bigger yet with that TV deal, $1 sure. billion dollars sure. a year. Yeah. That includes uh, one of your <laughs> employers, the Big right. Ten Network and right. Fox. Right. Fox, I saw Fox, and then CBS is coming on 2024 because yeah. they still got the SEC till 23. And then NBC is going to have a night game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got like four different networks with games on it. There's a hidden guy in this whole thing. I remember when the Big Ten Network, there's a guy named Silverman. Yeah, who was really in charge for Delaney? Yeah, Mark. And he's moved over to uh, Fox. Fox, and and I think he's behind this whole thing. Well, Mark was really really sharp. Mark was the uh, you know kind of the brain. Well, not I would say brainchild, but really had the leadership for the first decade for the Big Ten Network. Did a phenomenal yeah. job, yeah. and obviously got promoted to, to to head of Big Fox Sports, mm-hmm. yeah. and has done a tremendous job. I don't think there was any doubt in my mind that Fox was going to be in there to get the Big Ten. I mean, they were going to outbid anybody to at least get the game that they wanted, and they've outbid ESPN all the time to get that Michigan-Ohio State game. That raised a question. Who gets to choose? you got three games on a Saturday. Sure. you got NBC at night. you got CBS in the afternoon. you got the morning game. Sure. With five. Who gets to choose? I mean, how are they doing that? Well, when it was – I don't know how the future will be. I do know that with ESPN and Fox – and I'm ABC, ESPN is the same thing. Mm-hmm. But but in Fox, what what would happen is they would fight. Right and now. Yeah, they would they they bid for the game. Well, Fox had the rights to the biggest game, which is Michigan Ohio State. Every mm-hmm. year they would get that, and then they would have rights to they would kind of bid on what game they wanted based on six days out or thirteen days out from the game. Say okay, well these two. You might not think Illinois is going to be good, but if Illinois eight zero and they're playing Ohio State, you want it. You want that as your, your your marquee ABC game or your marquee Fox game, so they would bid it out. So they have different amount of picks where you can use your picks this week to get a better game, and other times you can't use that. Well, it sounds to me like Illinois is going to be bidding against, I mean, the Illinois and the opponent they play will be bidding against the Penn States and the Michigan's sure. and the Ohio States for the right slot, for the best slot. Well, and then, and then the worst games will go to Big Ten, well, Big Ten Network, right? Yeah. I mean, like on week two, I got – Indiana, Idaho. I don't know how many people be watching that one, right? But but that would be a Big Ten game, probably, right? Those, those games. So well, you're talking about Indiana. Tell me a little bit about Indiana. We, so that's Indi- going to be a tough Indi- night so game, Friday night game for Illinois. Indi- second game. Indiana is is such an anomaly, right? Because I I thought Tom Allen had done a tremendous job all the way up till 2019, and then even 2020, we had that breakout season, right? Mm-hmm. Where he built that program up, and it, it, it did, did a tremendous job. It's a couple bowl games in a row, being in the Big Ten East. They had everything hit the fan last year, especially with injuries. Now, mm-hmm. they lost the best player in their defensive player, I think, in Micah McFadden. He's and gone Penix. to the NFL. Penix is out, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and Penix was never able to stay healthy. That one year he stayed healthy in 2020 was a short season. They did great, but I think it's going to come down to the quarterback play, but I still think Illinois on. I, I still like Illinois in that football game. I really do, and I, I just on what I saw last year and how Illinois finished the year, who they've gotten, and what Brett's been doing. I like Illinois in that game. What does your schedule look like? You got any Illinois games on your schedule? I don't have any yet. You know, I have two in September here. I've got uh, Indiana. I've got a Northwestern game in week mm-hmm. four, but I'll be I'll be here for the Wyoming game. Not not working, but right. wa- but watching. So uh, I think everybody in the country should be watching that one, right? Should. So, uh, but I did do, I'll have some games later in November as well. I mean, I got to do Illinois Northwestern last year. That was a pleasure to watch. It was one of the better games they played. And um, that's a whole another topic is Northwestern, right? So it's like th- they've yeah. been up and down and bad. And then they have some great recruiting class. Now it's, it's just, it's just interesting. So 
I think it's very interesting how all the Big Ten's shaken out. But yeah, two games this in September. Always good to talk football with you. Jay Lehman, thanks. Always fun, guys. Take care. We'll do it again soon. Moving up to the bottom of the hour here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Let's go to the phones before our next uh, quick timeout. Michael has been uh, holding on for a second. Go ahead, Michael. What's on your mind? Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, um, I, I just wanted to uh, talk about possible conference realignment. You know, I, I'm a traditionalist, and I don't like this as much as all the old timers, but it, I realize it's inevitable. So, you know, I'm an alumnus, university retiree, big fan, and, you know, I don't know all the economic factors and et cetera that's going on, but I've got a proposal that, you know, if you're interested in hearing it, I just throw it out for discussion sure. purposes on how, how to maybe possibly realign. Okay. Uh, first, oh, first off, I think of, of inevitably there's going to be three 24 super con- 24 team super conferences, but I would like to see the Big Ten not be reactive, but be proactive and try and move to 20 teams as soon as possible. And my suggestion on that is to, you know, if you go to two 10-team conferences halfway through the season, the teams in the lower, you know, they're not doing so well, their fans are going to lose interest. If you have four five-team divisions, sort of like the way, you know, Major League Baseball lined it, you're going to maintain interest. And my suggestion for that is – is a West division, which would be USC and UCLA, and three of the following teams in order of preference and rationale. And I won't get get into rationale unless you're interested. So Stanford, Cal Berkeley, primarily Cal to get rid of Governor Newsom's complaints, Washington and Oregon. And then an East division with Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland and Rutgers, with one of the following three teams in no order of preference, Notre Dame, and as a straight conference member, no advantages, no special TV, just if they, if they can take it or lose it, if, if they don't take it, they're going to be left on the outside. Anyway, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and then Midwest and Mideast, and you can divide them up however you want. I just sort of put them geographically as a Midwest Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and a Mideast, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, and Illinois. And then I suggested so nine conference games, four within your division, three or two non-divisional you know, rivalry games that you play every year, and the rest just rotated you know, on a nine-game you know, nine basis. And then the four division champions play – you know, semifinal, final, which will have huge, huge, huge TV. And then, you know, if you need to, you eventually go to 24, and I got some suggestions there. But it allows you to maintain the rivalries, maintain, you know, mids with only five teams in a division, you know, some some interest possibly. And uh, I, I just think it's inevitable. And, and then also because it's sort of geographical for the non, you know, the Olympic sports, they don't have to, you know, Illinois volleyball doesn't have to travel to West Coast unless they got the money and want to. Um, it just just my suggestion without knowing all the details involved. That's but, pretty complicated. <laughs> it is. You've uh, put some thought into that, no doubt. Um, we'll we'll kind of kick that around a little I, bit. I, I'd say, first of all, I don't care what the governor of California thinks. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't think that plays into it at all uh, as far as Cal's concerned. Uh, as far you don't as, think he could block UCLA? Excuse me? 
You don't think he could block UCLA being no. added to the conference? No, no, okay. no, I don't. I mean, I know he's, I know he's unhappy about it and he's complaining about it, but no, he can't block them. They're, they're going to come into the Big Ten. But well, Bill's been introduced in the California legislature to to prevent it. Yeah, I know they're I know they're going to fight it. You're right, and the regents are unhappy. I mean, if you go if you go around and look at UCLA, and I, uh, we don't have much time here because we need to make another call. But uh, if, if you've got all the teams in the Pac-12 are unhappy, all the constituents for uh, UC, uh, for Cal are unhappy, all the donors for UCLA are unhappy. They don't like it. I mean, you got nobody almost that's that's really positive about what UCLA is doing, and particularly the minor sports. The Olympic sports, you've got a whole array of con- people who are very much against this whole deal, but the money is, is there for UCLA, and they, and they, they want to get out of debt. They're, they feel that they're going to have to drop a bunch of sports if they stay in the, in the Pac-12. I just think it's simpler and less travel issues to divide into four or five-team geographical divisions than two huge ten-team well, I like the geographical idea myself, but but ge- geography is no longer a part of it. I mean, really, uh, all the thinking just eliminates geography from the, from the discussions, and I I don't know why that, that's the case, but it sure is. I mean, look at this now. We got, you know, we're going to have a league here in two years. So, I mean, next year we're going to have a league uh, with with teams. Rutgers and and Rutgers doesn't belong in the Big Ten. Maryland doesn't belong in the Big Ten, and you mentioned. Syracuse and Pittsburgh, they can't get out of the ACC until 2036. Right. That's a, my suggestion is assuming the ACC contract can be broken, admittedly. Well, there's no. I don't think there's a way to break it. Well, Michael, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, interesting stuff, and I'm sure that uh, the four divisions might uh, be on the table at some point in discussions at least, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. I, I, sent it, I sent it to Josh and had a chance to talk to him about a week ago, and he said, yeah, that's sort of interesting, so yep. whatever. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it with us. We appreciate it. Take care. You bet. 9.35 is the time. A break. Back with more college football talk after this. Stay with us. On Ipella Saturday Sports Talk rolls on with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We are here until 11 o'clock as usual. It's 9.38 right now. News Talk 1400, WDWS 93.9 FM. Talking uh, college football, we had Jay Lehman, former Illini All-American on for the uh, about 15 minutes there in the uh, first part of the show. We're going to switch it over and talk some uh, college football, Big Ten football with uh, Nick Quartero who is, um, has some history in the Big Ten, former uh, assistant coach at Northwestern, a graduate of Iowa. Nick, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. You all set for college football a week from today, getting uh, excited? I, I really am. Uh, it's Saturday, and even though we're in August, it feels like we should be in September because there's been so much talk and excitement building into these early openers and course all the other things i know you guys were hitting on regarding uh conference realignment expansion tv deals you name it so uh it's almost like uh the hot stove league of baseball <laughs> you know during the winter it's been that way here in the summer with college football well let's start right there with the expansion and get your thoughts on what has happened and where you think it might be going well i don't think it's over 
I think most people would agree that uh, Commissioner Warren did an incredible job uh, looking into the crystal ball and trying to see what lies ahead and trying to beat other people to the punch, so to speak, in making such a bold move to bring in two uh, outstanding brands from the Pac-12. But that can't be it. I know uh, people have talked about who's next. And I don't think uh, there's any question that they will look uh, to the West for further expansion rather than dropping down South or Southwest. So I'm anxious to see, uh, I think within a a year or so, we'll have that all cleared up. But uh, at this point here, as a Big Ten guy, I'm a little bit mystified as to how it's all going to actually play out. But in the big picture, as uh, life has changed for all of us, and especially in big-time football, uh, the Big Ten right now is sitting in a good position to not just uh, be a front-runner, but be a true leader for a long time. Well, Nick, this is Lauren. If, if they go west, if they, if, let's, let's just say they go to Washington or, or Stanford or Oregon, one of those schools, they're going to break up the, the Pac-12. That's going to be the end of the Pac-12. I mean, and that that would just destroy. I, I don't. I, I, does does that lead to a Pac-12, Big 12, uh, maybe joining each other? Well, there's all kinds of talk that way, and uh, I'm sure you followed as have I the uh, banter between the commissioners between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and uh, there's definitely uh, not a great relationship at this point between those two but that's because uh, the west coast is trying to stand their ground be strong and all that type of thing which you can't blame them but by the same token uh, and he's only been on the job one year out there in the pac-12 i don't know where they go and it's almost as though they have to see what other dominoes fall Um, Mm -hmm. you can't predict who the big 10 may tap Uh, obviously all of this Uh, both you gentlemen know this, is driven by television, television revenue, television executives, um, what you can bring to ratings and things of that nature. So all of that plays in. And as proud Big Ten guys, we also know that the conference likes to find people with like uh, institutions academically and so forth. And quite honestly, the ones in the Pac-12 have no issues in that regard. So I think it's all open season and, you know, will they cherry pick, you know, the so-called better brands in Oregon and Washington, certainly Stanford or Cal with the academics, you name it. But I feel, I I actually feel badly for those Pac-12 schools going into this season, not knowing what is on the horizon. And as a coach, as a player, as an administrator, uh, to try to focus your team's and be ready to compete week in and week out when this giant behemoth is sitting uh, in the middle of the room, I think it's very, very unusual. Well, Nick, I think we're talking about another year or two down the road and and depending perhaps on what Notre Dame does. But we got a game in in a week. (laughs) Let's talk about Wyoming. Let's talk about (laughs) Illinois and Wyoming. How do you see that game developing? Well, uh, Wyoming was down a little bit last year. Uh, I mean, they did finish seven and six, but just two and six in the Mountain West uh, finished up strong with uh, at least a positive note with a bowl win over Kent State in the uh, famous Potato Bowl. So uh, they're they're coming off of that. It's also a team, uh, guys, that lost 
quite a few players in and through the portal that left the program. So that that's always a tough one because, again, here you are a, a so-called uh, group of five schools, right, in the Mountain West. And some of the better players think the grass is greener to go elsewhere through the portal, and so they lost some guys. Um, they have tried to plug some new ones in there, but again, that remains to be seen how strong they'll, they'll uh, be with that. Uh, the thing that I have learned, and you know, just talking to uh, people out there, is that they've got a very solid running game, and uh, of course, uh, the Illini really match up well up front with their defensive line. I think uh, uh, the Cowboys' O-line lost a few guys, so they're kind of patching it up with a few replacements. Um, But also on their offense, they've got a talented tight end, but I know that uh, Coach Ryan Walters will be able to man up and play good coverage against him. They have a good running back, uh, Titus Swens, a very solid back, and they've got some depth there. So they could not. Uh, Lorna and Steve, they could not throw the ball last year. They were 117th in the country in passing and uh, really struggled that way, but they did run the ball and were 20th in the country. So they're going to hang their hat in the running game if, and this is a big if, of course, if they can find a couple of receivers, which they really didn't have much explosiveness last year, if they can find a couple there to test the Illini deep, you know, maybe that gives them a shot to move the ball and get some chunk yardage. Um, speaking of receivers, they had a great player. I talked about the portal. Mm-hmm. They lost a great player named Isaiah Nair to Texas. And not that this factors into this game, but as bad luck would have it, Nair went down with a season-ending injury, so he won't even be playing for Texas this year. Uh, but, of course, he's not playing for Wyoming either. Um, I think the matchup really favors – Illinois, as long as Illinois' offense, kind of like the Cowboys, can show uh, some semblance of a consistent passing game. Uh, The Cowboys' defense is traditionally solid uh, through the years. Their head coach, Craig Bowles, a defensive guy, former D coordinator years ago at Nebraska, super head coach that started that uh, great uh, run of national championships at North Dakota State. So Craig's a defensive-oriented guy, and they've been very consistent on defense. So what does that mean? It means Illinois has to do what they do best, which is the ability to to pound the ball a little bit, and yet the difference will be, again, in my opinion, who can throw the ball a little bit better, and I would give the nod uh, to the new QB, DeVito, the Syracuse transfer. I saw him play a little bit last year and over the last couple years. Actually, remember when he came out of high school uh, in New Jersey? and was recruited around the country. So they've got good talent there. Uh, I also think that uh, the kicking game will factor in. I know the Illini are replacing two really steady, consistent guys. And for the new guys to get out there uh, in the heat of battle in an important opener such as this, that'll be a big part of it. it. Whereas Wyoming is very solid there. They're very good with their specialists. And they have a good kickoff return man named Cameron Stone, who has the ability to take it deep. Last thing I would add about uh, Wyoming that people may not know, or if they haven't studied them very much, they too have a transfer quarterback. Um, he actually came from within the conference out there. His name is Andrew Peasley. 
He's a dual threat guy that came from Utah State who had a super year. He can throw it. He can make some things happen with his feet. And as I know that uh, the Illini defense staff will tell you, when you've got an athletic quarterback and a guy that can scoot around as much as maybe they'd like to pressure or play some man coverage, you always have to have eyes on the quarterback. You can't be chasing receivers down the field and have your backs to the quarterback. So they've got to make sure that somebody is spying or at least playing enough zone to keep the quarterback contained or at least keep him from making big plays. But uh, that's kind of the scoop I've got on Wyoming. I like Illinois. The fact they're at home um, is a big deal, especially Wyoming coming in with some new faces and, and people that they've lost from the program. I think it is Illinois the advantage. My thing for you, and you guys may be able to add to this because you're right there, is really will the offense for uh, for Brett Bielema and the guys, will it be a blend of what was done at UTSA and what the Illini had done well running the ball, or will they move further toward the super up-tempo uh, a hyped-up speed of what they did with the Roadrunners. So I'm kind of anxious to see that myself. That's kind of the million-dollar question. that uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll start to get the answer uh, a week from today. We're visiting with uh, Nick Quartero. His friends call him Coach Q, and you're going to be hearing him a little more often on these airways. Give uh, the fans, if you will, uh, Nick, a little background on yourself, uh, a little bio of uh, some of the stops that, that uh, you've been on over the years. Sure. Well, it's uh, quite lengthy just because of my age, but uh, I, I'm now retired, but spent 38 years in the game. And really my first big, I, I, like you mentioned earlier, I uh, played at Iowa back in the mid seventies and uh, was a GA there also, but really got my first big break in coaching at Northwestern in 1981 when Dennis Green went in there as the head coach and I was with Dennis all of his five years with the Wildcats. And, of course, the program at that time was literally the worst in the country, nation's longest losing streak and all that. But at least we got them to some respectability. I remember great rivalries with the old Sweet Sue Tomahawk Trophy against the Illini way back then and all that stuff. Uh, my other Big Ten flavor uh, is the fact that uh, my last job before retiring was at uh, Rutgers as director of player development. So uh, a lot of the guys that are basically wrapping up their eligibility or did so a year ago, I helped recruit and was around them during their earlier years in the program. In between, uh, like a lot of coaches, my shortest coaching stop was three years and my longest was five. And I was always thankful that I moved on uh, without being asked to move on. So uh, other jobs in there, I spent uh, 14 years in the Big 8 slash Big 12. Very proud to say I was on Bill Snyder's original staff at Kansas State and was part of that foundation that uh, turned the whole thing around for future years to come. Also, turnaround jobs at Iowa State with Dan McCarney, taking them to their first Two bowl games in, gosh, back in the early 2000s, first ones in 40 years, and first bowl win in school history. And Kansas, which, uh, you know, fell on hard times, but was with Mark Mangino there, and we had uh, had some success there. So those are a few of the stops along the way. I've got others, but those are kind of the highlights. Well, being out east, uh, what's your take? And you had a little um, 
relationship with Rutgers football as well. What's your take on Rutgers and the, being in the Big Ten and how it's going and playing out there? Well, I think it's, even though I'm a uh, head of employment at Rutgers, uh, working there and seeing that I was in the Big Ten still felt a little bit strange given my Big Ten roots, you know, with the uh, Iowa degree and Iowa playing experience. Um, it, it's, you know, it helps a little that Maryland is out there. They kind of have a neighbor just to the south. But it really is a little bit unique um, because, uh, you know, they were very, very good in the Big East in Greg Schiano's first tour of duty there. He built that program up, did a super job. And really, I think, had a nice identity up and down the East Coast. Greg recruited heavily back then in uh, Florida, and that helped contribute uh, to the overall product that really brought national respectability to what was once a very, uh, you know, down program. But now uh, they're trying to do it again. Uh, Do they fit with quotation marks around fit? I'm not sure. But given where the Big Ten is going further west, I don't know who fits anymore. So for all of us who remember, for all of us who remember the original Big Ten and and the uh, and original schools and so forth, anybody you know east of uh, well, even when Penn State came in, right? Even when Penn State came in, that was kind of unusual. So you got three teams east, you've got two more coming from the west, and then you've got the others in the Midwest. And yet you think of it as a Midwest conference. So uh, Rutgers is a great institution. They're doing a better job, much better job with their athletic program overall. In all sports, basketball got better. Lacrosse was a national ranked team. Baseball did well. Um, Women's sports are very solid. So I think they're doing their best to be very, very competitive and representative. But for me, it's still a little bit of a strange uh, marriage. Well, I I think that... uh... We'll always wonder about it just seems so unwieldy to have teams from west and then you go to twenty schools and if you don't break it into divisions then it, i I don't know how you set up a twenty team conference you can't i I suppose you can have pods as as all kinds of possibilities, but unwieldy is still the word for me what your thoughts I would agree um although your vocabulary choice is at a much higher level than mine. (laughs) Unwieldy is an excellent word. Uh, Yeah, like I say, it's going to take a little more expansion, too. It's going to go a little farther, and it has to 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 help out those West Coast teams and uh, allow them the opportunity to have more games close to home and also uh, limit, uh, you know, their travel and so forth. Now, money is not an issue for travel. They're going to have plenty of money in the coffers to handle all of that uh, by nature of the TV contracts. But just from a, a logistical as- aspect, and and the league really wants to continue to gain assets. And that's, you know, I'm not a business guy, but we all know what an asset is, and that's a valuable element that you possess. And I really think it's all about right now is people trying to pull in all they can to gather all the assets they can to further solidify what is nothing more than uh, viewership and TV rights and more money for the future. And, you know, when uh, what's the old saying, a a rising tide floats all boats, um, you know, it's going to help all programs. Well, well, Nick, uh, we had a caller before you came on. 
uh, who said that, uh, and I'm aware that the regents at UCLA are, are trying to reverse this decision by UCLA, and I'm also aware that there's a movement at, at, in the legislature. Do you see any possibility that, that, that this thing could be reversed in the next year? No, I, I, that's me. No, it's just an opinion. Uh, I yeah, read a lot of. The I agree with you. you. I do. didn't think so either. And, no, and and I know that you know they've got all the politics, and when you say all, all the way up to the governor's office, trying to get involved, and you know, please don't leave our other regents institution, Cal. You know, mm-hmm. out in the cold. Uh, there's just a, a lot going on, and that's why I say I don't know. Uh, I guess I put my you know coaching. Uh, shirt on and my khaki pants and whistle and say, you know, how do we keep our kids focused? Especially the underclassmen, especially the underclassmen if you're at those other Pac-12 schools this season. That's Nick Quartero. We appreciate your time, sir, and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the future and as we talk college football all season long. Very good. Always a pleasure to speak with you guys, and we'll do it again. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. That wraps up hour number one of Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break. Be back with hour number two in just a moment. Stay with us. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Another hour to go here on Eli Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Got a little thunder. I haven't seen any lightning out the window yet. It's a little bit of thunder and some rain here in central Illinois, a week out from the uh, first football game. Where there's thunder, there's lightning somewhere. Uh, You're right. (laughs) I just haven't seen any here yet, which is fine with me. A lot of football talk today. We're going to continue down uh, that line a little bit. Uh, Craig McDonald, local businessman who's also involved in uh, Illini Guardians, is with us on the telephone. Good morning, Craig. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing today? We're good. You're uh, gallivanting around in Chicago, I'm told, today, this weekend, huh? Right now, I'm the corner of Rush and Ohio. <laughs> after, a big night, after a big night with my wife and my daughters last night, so it's all good. Yeah. Well, well, good for you. I enjoy that. And uh, some Illini Guardian news this week about uh, the uh, subscription uh, option to uh, get involved with Illini Guardians. Tell us more about that. Tell the folks about it. Yeah, well, this is this is what's been in the works for a very, very long time since the well, since the first time I came on your program. Um, what we have is well, it's just like Illini guys are twenty four seven. It's a subscription model um, that fans can join um, for a monthly service fee, and basically that money they can dictate what program it goes to, whether it's the general fund, a the football team, basketball team, 
volleyball, women's volleyball, women's basketball, or the women's sports in general. So they can pick and choose what um, they would like to support. They get at different levels. They get different um, different items that they get to come to, different events they get to come to. And, um, and then we then in turn contract with the kids to do things around the community, to sign autographs, to do ventures with Habitat for Humanity, all kinds of different things that the kids are doing around the community um, in a positive light. And that's how um, we've been working quite a bit with the, with the DIA, uh, Division of Inter- Intercollegiate Athletics here at the University of Illinois. So we got everything legal. We got everything up. And while it's taken a very, very long time, we're ready to rock and roll with it. Have you uh, investigated, I'm sure you have, and with this being so new, I'm not sure there's an answer to this, but do these kind of subscription um, plans, are they effective, or do we know yet? Don't know yet. Um, this, is, this is what we've come up with, um, working with, working with the DIA, um, and we think that this is a model that, that can be successful. You know, Illini guys has like 47,000 members. I mean, it's crazy how many members they have. Um, and they've been very helpful with us. Um, we're reaching their members, and um, we have subscriptions. We've already signed up. I actually um, signed up myself yesterday. I'm in, and I'm a supporter, and, and putting my money where my mouth is. And, um, and we're hoping people to follow up. And, and because whether you agree with NIL or not, or whether you like it, it's here to stay, and it's having a, a huge effect on the entire sports landscape. And with that in the transfer portal, you need a robust NIL program, or you're just not going to be able to compete with other other schools. And that's that's the reality of the situation. Well, Craig, let's let's just say if I gave you a thousand dollars and I say I want this to go, let's say to the basketball team, who decides yep. how to distribute that money and does it would it be divided up among all the players on the team, or how would that work? Yeah, right now we're we're looking at that's the way it's going to be. Um, same way with football, Lauren. That you know there'll be a market for certain players, and this you know this won't be the only opportunity players have, of course. Mm-hmm. But this is this is one that we can get them involved in the community, that we can get them, you know, a how should I say this something they can count on that they know that they're going to have in addition to the different contracts and different businesses or Nike or whoever, whoever signs these kids, all these kids have agents now. And so this, I mean, it's professional sports almost Lauren. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a stipend. Um, They got to do certain things to to get this money. It's not like they just show up and, um, and they get paid. They have, they have responsibilities they have to do to, to earn it but yeah there'll be there'll be a set fund that goes to, to each player or you know maybe positions we don't know yet exactly but you know what's an offensive lineman worth what's a, a top rate quarterback worth what's you know if i use this example the first time you know he's gone now but you know if, if kofi shows up for a habitat event um it means more than you know the fourth string center mm-hmm. because he's more popular and I'm sure they'll be reflective in some of that, the markets. But, um, yeah, we're hopeful that we can – we won't be able to fund the entire NIL program with this. We're not, you know, we're realistic about that, that it's going to take a lot from a lot of people. 
but we think we can get a very good base to put our foot up, you know, at a very high level um, for well, all the student athletes here at the University of Illinois. We yeah. have people that have, that have given to the golf. We have people that's giving to tennis. Um, you know, it's it's and we have the the ability to be able to get these funds out and do it with the blessing of the University of Illinois because we are making the kids for field contracts. Um, we are watching what they're doing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's here. It's above board, and we're very positive about it. And like I said, we've we got people signing up right now and people giving, and then they'll be distributed out um, shortly as they start providing their services to the community. Uh, you mentioned that all the players have agents now. Uh, at what point can they hire an agent? Must they have graduated from high school? I mean, at what point, or must, is it when they enroll, or when would that take place? You know what? I don't know, Lauren. I don't know what date that is. Okay. Um, you know, it's probably something I should know. But I don't. Well, it's, it's, um, it's a little bit out of your uh, range there. I mean, you, you don't really care about the agents, although uh, I'm sure that you'll be approached by agents who want to want you to take care of their players. I, I assume that. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. have you been yeah, contacted we'll be, by been agents? Approached. Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's several that, that handle, you know, some of the basketball players, um, some of the football players, and, and we've been in discussion with those. They – you know that's how they get paid. The agents <laughs> is by are getting these deals, but we don't we don't have a relationship with with agencies or anything like that. We're we're trying to deal directly with the young student athletes as much as we can. And while they have agents that are going to be involved, um, we don't really we don't sign contract with agencies. We only sign contracts with the kids mm-hmm. and whatever their deals with the agent. That's that's between them and the agent. I guess the newness of this kind of situation is going to go on for a while because, the, you know, there's nothing to base it on when you say, well, how's it going? Well, compared to what? <laughs> you know, well, it, yeah. it's a whole new thing. But nobody knows what Ohio State's doing, right. what Purdue's doing, what Minnesota's doing. I mean, do you, have, do you have any idea how you think your NIL organization stacks up with others? Yeah, we're similar, okay? Okay. Um, they may have a little different flavor to them, but the, the big programs are looking for broad-based support amongst their, their supporters. Um, yeah, you can have, you know, Bill Gates come in and say, okay, I'm going to take care of your whole NIL fund or something like that. But they've also realized that this is not just a one-time gift, that this is something that's going to be – needed year after year after year after year. So they really have to come up with a business plan that can contribute to that model yearly. And um, our subscription service, for example, have, we, we hired a company to run that, and they're doing it for probably a dozen different teams around the country. Um, they They're able to get the the money in, um, get it in the right accounts, and then be able to distribute it to the right players. So, I mean, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes mechanics of it, and that's kind of what's taken a long time to build. But, yes, we are similar, Lauren, to to many of them out there. And, you know, we're hopeful we'll stack up and 
and be one of the best one of the best out there. That's our that's our goal, and and you know we're we're hopeful that we can get that done. We're very optimistic about it anyway. How's that? The best way to get involved with the subscription uh, plan here is to go to IlliniGuardians.com. It's pretty easy. I'm looking at the uh, the webpage now, and you just go right there and and get logged in and sign up. Right. Yeah. There's five. Well, there, actually, there's six different levels. We have a student level as well too. And on the, on the levels, they range anywhere from I believe from thirty dollars to a thousand dollars per month. Um, and they get you different levels of access to different things. Um, you can also, if you want to do a one-time gift or something like that, you can contact us, and we'll put you in, in touch with uh, the, the program you want to donate to, or if you're wanting to get in touch with one of the kids, we can facilitate that as well, too. So um, we're here just to help, and help in any way we can. And um, we're looking, you know, by numbers, there's a lot of alumni out there and a lot of alumni fans. And I really would like to stress that it doesn't take much from each of them to have an amazing program here at the University of Illinois. And it's always easy to sit by and say, well, somebody else will do it. And I also understand people fundamentally disagree with, with the whole aspect of paying college athletes. But if you want to go to the assembly hall and see a – national championship type basketball team we better have a national championship in our program and our fans need to help us get there and you know i've said it i think i've said it many times but the single most important thing you can do is subscribe to the service for illinois sports that it's needed that badly the coaches will be talking about it um it's like i said it was released this week you'll be hearing about it hopefully in your sleep so we can get people to understand how important this really is. Hey, Craig, we appreciate your time. Thanks for taking a little time out to uh, get us up to date. Yeah, Craig, it's, it. it's a good thing you're not trying to play golf in Champagne today. It's pouring no, I here. Wish, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm heading back, and I planned on trying to play a little bit this afternoon, Lauren. But we'll, Good we'll luck. <laughs> okay. All right, it's, it's starting to rain up here, too. The air show is going on, so it's really crowded. Have All a right. good day, guys. Yeah, but I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Craig McDonald, local businessman involved with the Illini Guardians. It is really coming down. And that lightning I said I didn't see, I've seen it. <laughs> and and the thunder. So there's uh, well, this, there's uh, the, It looks to me like you've got two different – if you're an athlete, you've got two different situations. You've got money that you really don't you, – you're really not uh, using an agent to get money from the Illini Guardians. They decide – who they're going to pay and how they're going to pay based on the money that they're given and, and the instruction that's given with that money. At the same time, your agent's working with different companies here to try to, which has nothing to do with, with the uh, guardians. And individually, you might have two or three other companies that, you, that you're signing with or you're doing promos with, whatever. And so uh, there's, there's two basic avenues that I see where the NIL will work favorably for you. Moving up on 1015, got an open line going if you'd like to join us. We do have another guest coming up at 1030, Reese Monaco, the Wyoming play-by-play man, will join us. But in the meantime, an open line. We're back with more after this. Stay with us. Ten seventeen, 17 Saturday Sports Talk heading towards 11 o'clock with Lauren Tate. 
and Steve Kelly at an open line to 173569397. And on that open line is our friend Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Enjoy listening to the show this morning as every Saturday morning. But are you aware that the state of Iowa High School Association approved NIL money for Iowa high school athletes? I think they said there's like 35 states in the country that have approved it, and I'm not sure if Illinois is one of them. And then the second one was Owen Freeman, who was an Illini recruit they were trying to get here last year, has transferred to Moline to play with an Iowa recruit who's a point guard at Moline. And uh, so this NIL stuff is uh, getting into the high school ranks. Yeah, I wasn't aware of uh, the Iowa situation. Were you, Lord? No, 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 I wasn't. And 35 states? No, I. That was one of the questions I was going to ask about. You know, where does this whole thing start? And I guess there's no reason why it can't can't be done at the high school level. I mean, high school players can get jobs. And they they transfer all over the place, and they're going everywhere these days. Hey, when I was in high school, I worked for my dad. (laughs) (laughs) That was the early days of NIL. (laughs) I didn't know what it was. (laughs) But uh, I think he just hired me because I was so cheap. Well, that's something to that. I did job printing for him, you know. I mean, so, I mean, high, high school players could always have jobs. It's just interesting that college athletes couldn't have jobs. You know. What else you got, Steve? Well, I just didn't know if you knew about the Owen Freeman transfer. No, I did not know that either, and uh, that's another sign of the times, I guess. So, okay, we'll see Joe Hendricks and what his follow-up will be here in a few weeks when you have him on. Yeah, we'll yeah do we that. need to have him on when high school starts because we'll, there's bound to be some switching players, switching schools and that sort of thing. Yep. Always are. Appreciate the call, because Steve. I thought I think the, okay, the young Fears you. uh, player, yeah. uh, the basketball player Fears, is is moved back to uh, Joliet. He's going to play with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who Illinois is recruiting pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> That'll be interesting. A week from today, of course, is the uh, opening uh, football game for the Illini against Wyoming, and you can get tickets for for fifty nine dollars. Still available. FightingIllini.com. Check that out. Also, if you're Thinking about what you're going to wear to that first game. Game Day Spirit is the place to be. A lot of uh, deals going on. A lot of great uh, new Fighting Illini merchandise available there. There's a couple of uh, rule changes in college football that are noteworthy. Yeah, I read them. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you read them and you forgot well, them? No, I, yeah, I, I understand that there's going to be a chance that, in, you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you get a targeting call uh, in the second half of a game. Right in which you could be then barred from the first half of the next game, there would be an evaluation of that. A could re- be an evalu- appeal, yeah. Yeah, an appeal. You could appeal it and maybe not have to sit out the first half of the next game, which always seems kind of unfair to me, but, you know, it's a whole other game. But uh, it'll be evaluated, and, and it'll be appealed and evaluated. That's all we can say. We don't know necessarily that you'll get it, but that's right. one of the new rules. That's, that's one of the main ones. There's some other ones about blocking below the waist and mm-hmm. things like that that will be yeah. implemented, implemented yeah, as well. If you're not interior blocking uh, ex, the, on, on the outside, you can't block below the waist. And you can't 
they're going to make it harder to fake an injury late in the yeah. late in the game too. How would you do that? How would you make? <laughs> I mean, if if I fake an injury, how do you know I'm not hurt? I don't know. Good question. I don't know how they'll figure that out. Let's go back to the phones. Marty is with us in uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Hey, uh, you know, about three weeks ago or so, Lauren, I was listening to you on a Tuesday afternoon when the uh, the baseball trading deadline was coming, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't look like anything was happening. The Cardinals weren't doing much, and you were a little discouraged. Of course, I, you may have been off the air by the time that trade for Montgomery came across the board. How are you feeling about that now? <laughs> well, that's that's not a fair question. Obviously, we're very I happy know. about that. I mean, I I I was never. I don't think I ever w- wanted to go through with the Soto deal. I don't think I did. And I, I kept saying they need pitching. They need pitching. Now, I'm not saying that I knew Quintana and Montgomery would be as effective as they've been, and I don't know if they'll be that effective as we go forward, but it's certainly been a boon to the team so far. Oh, yeah. You get six innings out of starting pitchers. It's funny how good the bullpen can become. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, I, I remember about three weeks ago, I also called in on Saturday morning and was throwing out the idea of a 2014 Big Ten of course, I was talking about taking some ACC schools with good academics like Georgia Tech and North Carolina and Virginia, Notre Dame, and then adding those West Coast schools. And now, three weeks later, I see other people are talking about that strangely. They must have been listening to you, Marty. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank that, but wouldn't we all? Uh, I, I get as much listening and paying attention to as my wife pays attention to me. Okay, <laughs> That's about all the paying attention I get. Um how soon do you guys see movement? Because it sounds like it, it may happen a little sooner than we were thinking. I, I think they have to do something so the West Coast schools and the Olympic sports they have traveled not just crazy. But how soon might they move? Well, I don't know how to answer that at all. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that the Big Ten is waiting on Notre Dame. And I think Notre yeah. Dame is waiting on the college football playoff to be uh, settled. And I, I don't think that Notre Dame wants to be uh, an independent if there are two 20-team leagues. I don't, I don't think that – would that be a difficult situation with them scheduling? It, I, I would think it would be very difficult scheduling because some of the teams they want to play are now going to be in leagues. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but yeah. – well, I think you tell Notre Dame you want you want in the college football playoff, get in the conference like everybody else. Well, you know they're yeah. not they're not going to do that. I well, don't think. Yeah, I, wish, I wish they would, Steve, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. Who who knows? I I I enjoy listening to the show. I enjoy listening to your NIL discussion. That's a that's still a wild west as far as I'm concerned, but. Uh, uh, here to stay, and uh, I did the high school kids have to have agents too since they're not 18 years old in most cases. <laughs> I would think so. That's, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering since they can't legally sign for things, that means parents have to be involved, and we know that sometimes parents can be a bigger problem than the kids. True. Oh, well. You guys make it a great day and a great show, and let's get you know a couple more Cardinal wins before they have to come into Wrigley for five and four days. <laughs> yeah, that's always tough. About those series always make me a little extra nervous when the, when they're playing the Cubs. Appreciate the call, Marty. 
Cubs are playing well. They are. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 1025 is the time. The uh, phone line's still open, 217-356-9397. We talked about football tickets being on sale, basketball tickets on sale, too. Season tickets starting at uh, $250, also at FightingIllini.com. Jason Hegemeyer and his staff are standing by for football or basketball ticket sales, no doubt about it. And The last time I heard from Jason, he was anticipating a crowd of uh, maybe 35,000 with hopefully with a, a big walk-up uh, contingent uh, coming next uh, Saturday. Yeah. I, and the weather, the early weather forecast looks good. Yeah, well, that, I was going to say after looking out the window. Here, <laughs> that I is think, not today. I was just saying, what, what, if, what if it was doing that? This is, that reminds me of the Purdue game a couple of years ago when, when they, you know, just killed Purdue's uh, passing game because they, you know, it was raining so hard they couldn't pass. I'll never forget the... Uh, the game at Memorial Stadium on a Saturday non-conference game that we had several delays, and uh, as the net working on the radio network, we stayed on the air. But every time there was a lightning strike, another forty-five minutes, thirty huh? minutes, yeah, 30? another another thirty-five minutes minimum. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, I had people going through the press box finding me people to talk to on the air during all that time. There were a lot of those. It, it was uh, they finally got it done, but uh, it was fun. But, you know, there was a time, Steve, when you'd have rain like this on a, on a game day and that that field would be so muddy and mm-hmm. sloppy. And and now it's just it, – it, it drains in a second. You know, it's just gone. Let's take another call. Rob in Champaign. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Good. I was calling – I think, Lauren, I think what you just said about the Big Ten waiting on Notre Dame, I think you're 100% on. And I think, like, if you look at uh, the moves the Big Ten is making um, by bringing in a USC, uh, by making sure NBC is a part of the television deal, mm-hmm. I mean, I really think that we'll be at 20 before anybody else is uh, as far as the Big Ten goes. And I think that, but I think that they are trying to make the bed for Notre Dame to, to come home. I think that that's what they're trying to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if. in before more okay well yeah. you're, you're breaking up but i uh, i think that uh, we all agree because of the situation with the acc already right yeah. hey yeah rob thanks for the call you were breaking up there but i think we got uh the gist of what you were saying we appreciate you taking time to call in i just can't imagine if they add if they go to 20 teams how do you divide it up I just don't. I don't know. You can't. I just, That's 20, bigger brains too, than too ours. Too many teams to try to to have in a conference, and so you, you divide it into then you divide it into two conferences with ten each, or two you, divisions, or you you know, or I just it, it doesn't work. I mean, nobody's going to be happy with it. That's all I'm telling you. What else is new? <laughs> well, I mean, I I don't I don't. There's no way we can we can play the right teams, in my opinion. You know my old saying: some people aren't happy unless they're miserable. <laughs> okay, that that describes a lot of sports fans all over the country. <laughs> Moving up on uh, ten twenty nine, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll learn more about the Wyoming Cowboys next week's opponent for the Fighting Illini. Back after this. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock. A lot of college football conversation uh, this morning, along with some baseball talk as well. As we're a week out from the Illinois football season opener against the Wyoming Cowboys at Memorial Stadium, 3 o'clock, a week from today. So everybody's looking forward to that. We're going to learn more about the Cowboys as we go out to uh, Laramie, Wyoming. And their play-by-play man, Reese Monaco, is with us. Morning, Reese. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Good to be on with you today. We're good. We've been doing our homework, as you have, about this ball game. We're looking at the Cowboys, and we see a lot of uh, losses in the transfer portal. Let's uh, start with that and uh, maybe uh, talk a little bit about that situation, if you would. Yeah, that's kind of unusual. The Cowboys have had uh, normally had a you know a pretty stable uh, program over the years, but the, the transfer portal is uh, absolutely changing the face of college athletics, you know, football and basketball. But it, uh, you know, a number of the guys that transferred were seniors that had already graduated. You know, they still could have that fifth year, but you know, so they transferred out and then went somewhere else just looking for some greener pastures. So you know, the transfer portal certainly hurt the Cowboys in the offseason, but you know, the portal goes both ways. So Craig Bull did something that he doesn't do a lot of. And, you know, he, I'm, I'm going to say uh, the old dog, no, mature dogs learning new tricks. And he brought some guys in as well to try and plug some of those holes. So it's a uh, depth and uh, youth are the Cowboys' the concerns this year. They're going to be one of the youngest teams in the country with that transfer portal hitting them so hard last year. And they also have gotten some injuries starting to surface here towards the end of their uh, fall camp. So that's going to be an issue as well. So a young team that's searching for depth and, uh, you know, their first game's on the road there in Champaign at Big Ten country. So certainly going to have their work cut out for them this year. Well, one of the incoming transfers is expected to be the starting quarterback. Is that right? A quarterback from Utah State? Yeah, Andrew Peasley's again, and uh, you know that was uh, almost that was weird, like, an almost an unprecedented quarterback swap between the Cowboys and Utah State. The Cowboys' starting quarterback last year, at least midway through the year, that won the bowl game for them, Levi Williams, transferred to Utah State, and then Andrew Peasley, who was one of the backup quarterbacks at Utah State, transferring to Wyoming, and. Looks like uh, you know, Craig Bull, I don't believe, will announce an actual starter until Saturday, probably, game time, uh, the day of the game. It's going to, when he releases his depth chart this week, it's probably going to be an or, and it will be uh, Andrew Peasley or Evan Savota, Savota, who is a junior college transfer. But, um, you know, Peasley, I think it's pretty common knowledge that he is going to be the guy unless something drastic happens here in the next week. Well, Reese, this is Lauren. Uh, it sounds to me, uh, Illinois for, uh, seemed to get out of this thing, uh, out, of, out of the last scrimmage with no injuries, and uh, apparently will be pretty much full health. Uh, and you mentioned some injuries by Utah, uh, by Wyoming. What, what's, your, uh, what's your feel? What positions are, are most val- vulnerable now? Well, the, uh, the positions that was hit uh, with an injury was Nickelback, and that's one that they were trying to find some depth at. And Buck Coors, who was uh, working his way into getting some playing time at Nickelback, broke his leg 
in that scrimmage. And then one of the uh, thin spots for the Cowboys is wide receiver. They're looking for some depth there. They lost their best wide receiver from last year to the transfer portal that Steve was talking about. And, you know, he went to Texas. Unfortunately, uh, he had a season ending knee injury down there. But that's mm-hmm. 800 yards and 12 touchdowns that the Cowboys yeah. are trying to replace. So they were going to get Gunnar Gentry back from an injury who – Tore, he injured his patellar tendon last year, and he had to sit out the entire season. He was back looking like he was making some progress and probably going to get some reps. And he in a non-contact drill, he just went up for a pass, came down, and injured his knee. So he is out for the year. So uh, that's uh, certainly going to hurt the Cowboys. And another position where they're looking for depth and looking for some guys is defensive end. And they did have an Alabama transfer, Keelan Cox, came in from Alabama, and he injured his hip and he's going to be out for the year. So the injury bug is already starting to raise its head for the Cowboys at a couple key areas, uh, which, you know, they're still looking for guys to step up here in the last week before the season starts. What happened to that team last year? Won the first four games and then just kind of fell apart in the Mountain West, and I would, I would assume that you must have thought at that time that this was a contending team in the Mountain West, at least before the games were played. What happened? Well, I think what happened was uh, their starting quarterback at the time was Sean Chambers, and um, he just lost, it appeared as if he just kind of lost his confidence uh, to step back and throw the ball. And I think there was so they put Levi Williams in, and Levi did a good job uh, when the offense just couldn't score for about three games. The offense could mm. not find the end zone, and that absolutely killed the Cowboys. Then Williams got settled in. And I think there may have been some chemistry issues in the in the locker room, and I'm not sure if it was uh, surrounding the quarterbacks or where those chemistry chemistry issues uh, may have surfaced. But you know, hopefully that has taken care of itself in the off season, and this team gets along a little bit better. And it was an incredible disappointment last year that season, and uh, Craig Bowl will admit that it was a disappointing season for the Cowboys because there was a lot of expectations and that got off to such a good start. And then it just kind of fell apart, but it came back together in the bowl game against Kent state. So that was something to build on going into the off season, which was good. So hopefully those chemistry issues have been resolved and, you know, the Cowboys can all be on the same page here with some good leadership. Yeah. I, I suspected some chemistry issues when I saw, the way that developed and the, and the hopes for that team last year and then what happened when the season was over with what you have about 10 guys transfer yeah yeah and uh, you know like i said some of them were you know, seniors that had already graduated that transferred out but the, the biggest one was Isaiah Nayor the wide receiver who was just a, a he was a guy that was just above the level but you know when you're having some of those chemistry issues some guys don't want to be around that and you know Craig Bowl actually kind of pointed the finger at himself a little bit on that as well, saying, you know, maybe I just didn't connect with these guys as good as I should have. And I think he's trying to change his ways there and connect with the players uh, on a more personal level and try to try to stop some of those chemistry issues before they start happening. So we'll see what happens this year. Talking to Reese Monaco, who does the play-by-play for the Wyoming Cowboys. This game, of course, in Champaign next week. Uh, but I want to talk about how the weather might affect it. But I want to start with teams coming out there. You're at, what, 7,200 feet altitude and uh, <laughs> above sea level there. And uh, does that affect the visiting teams, especially from maybe the Midwest? It, it does a little bit. Um, you know, the... It just uh, it, you 
usually by the fourth quarter. You can kind of see it kicking in just a little bit with the altitude, and just it's hard to breathe at times. But the thing that there it used to be an advantage, I think, before every game was on TV, and you started getting all the TV timeouts and those lengthy TV timeouts that allowed teams to get their catch their breath and get their legs underneath them. And from you know the weather out here, it can be unfavorable at time, which certainly helps the Cowboys. Uh, and it's, uh, but you know, Hawaii came here last year after the Cowboys just beat Utah State, the conference champions, and and beat the Cowboys. So sometimes, where you think the weather and the altitude will work to Wyoming's advantage, it doesn't. And that's what happened last year when the Rainbows came out here and and beat the Cowboys. What about Wyoming coming this way? Now, I just looked at the ten day forecast, and uh, we're seven days away, but. Uh, from the game, but it's uh, calling for 81 degrees, partly cloudy. Of course, it'll be a little more humid around here as it usually is, but it won't be 90 like it sometimes is. Well, that's a good thing. I, I appreciate it for me, to be honest. But, you know, going back that direction, they've done it before, and you know, they got a pretty good training staff, and the training staff does a good job of keeping guys hydrated and ready to play so they don't cramp up in those situations. And, and they can – Stay in the game. Out at Northern Illinois last year, it was hot and humid like you were talking about. And um, the Cowboys got out to a big lead against the Northern Illinois, but then Northern Illinois came storming back. And I think that the heat and the humidity in the third and the fourth corners took a toll on the Cowboys that kind of tired them out and allowed Northern Illinois to come back in that game. But the Cowboys eventually did pull out the win. But, yeah, the heat and the humidity certainly play a factor to – for the Cowboys when they're not used to playing in it, practicing here in Wyoming because you just don't have that humidity. Reese, uh, what's who's the favorite in the Mountain West, and what's the feeling within the Mountain West about the moves of that are happening in the Pac-12? Well, it's just one of those things where you're kind of just hanging on, you know, hoping to survive with uh, some of the moves that are going on, and hopefully that the teams that they Mountain West needs will will stick around. But the favorite this year, I believe, is Fresno State. Uh, they always, they have a pretty solid football team. San Diego State's always in the mix. Uh, Boise State will be in the mix, and of course, the defending Mountain West champion is Utah State. I think that was kind of that kind of surprise some people last year with the first-year head coach. He was a guy that took advantage of the transfer portal and brought in basically an entirely new football team, and somehow he got them all to play together. When you bring guys in like that, sometimes the chemistry just isn't there. He got them all to play together, got that chemistry to work, and Utah State was the Mountain West champions last year. But the the favorite this year with uh, their quarterback, Jake Hayner, and just some of the receivers they have is Fresno State. I, I think they might just be a step above everybody else. Who do you see as the most likely if there were somebody was added to the pack? What it's going to be the Pac-10 eventually? Uh, who would be from the Mountain West? Who would be the most likely to go? Well, I don't think they would look too far from California. Uh, San Diego State would be a, a very likely candidate that might uh, join the Pac-12 uh, and Fresno State. Uh, and, you know, they bring in some pretty good markets, TV markets. That's what they want is that population and the, those TV markets. And there's always the possibility that Boise State, Boise State's been threatening to leave the Mountain West Conference for years. And this might just be the time that it happens when you're starting to see some of these uh, 
conferences. I mean, the Pac-12 is hanging on for dear life, and I think they're going to do what they need to do if uh, they lose any more teams. So I would think the best bet would be San Diego State, Fresno State, and Boise State, and maybe Air Force as well. Air Force has also been shopping around for a couple of years. Uh, That would be a pretty good bet as well. What would you say the strengths of the Wyoming team are going into this first ball game? We'll we'll all learn more about the the teams that we follow after the first game is played, but what uh, what's it going to take for the Cowboys to come in here and uh, and be competitive and maybe pull off the upset? Well, the first thing is uh, Wyoming's going to have to run the football. That's what uh, Craig Bowles' bread and butter is, is rushing the football. And that's what his M.O. has been in his nine years here, his eight previous years, has been trying to establish the run. The passing game has been sorely missing in this offense, and he's uh, trying to change that. So ball control and keeping Illinois off the field. Uh, I know uh, Coach Bielman is – Good has that same Big Ten mindset where he wants to play some, uh, you know, power football, run the ball as well. But some things I've been reading is he wants to speed it up a little bit this year. So that'll be interesting. So keeping the Illini's offense off the field with the ball control for the Cowboys is going to be a big key and not giving up big plays defensively. Uh, the Cow, you talked about the transfer portal. Wyoming lost uh, their two starting cornerbacks to the transfer portal. So they got two new guys that transferred in and, and keeping plays in front and not giving up big plays. Those will be the, two of the biggest keys for the Cowboys. Well, Reese, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you in Champaign-Urbana. Will it be your first uh, trip to the U- University of Illinois? It will be, yeah. Um, I was just talking to somebody about that uh, that whole area. Like I was out in northern Illinois last year. That's as close as I've ever been. I know it's not the same, but Certainly looking forward to this and looking forward to the season being starting. And, you know, Wyoming's former offensive line coach, Bart Miller, is the offensive coach right. for the Illini. And when Miller, Coach Miller was here in Laramie, that Wyoming, I think you could probably arguably had probably their best offensive lines while he was in Laramie. And, boy, he is sorely missed. Uh, and we know that he's going to have that offensive line physical and wanting to get a good push up front. Uh, that's going to be a that's going to be a big one as well. The Cowboys' defensive line they lost a lot of guys along the defensive line, especially the defensive ends, and they're going to be looking for some depth there. So it'll be good to see Coach Miller again. Appreciate your time. We'll see you next week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll look forward to visiting. Okay, that's Reese Monaco, the play-by-play man for the Wyoming Cowboys. At ten forty-six, we'll take a break and open line the rest of the way till eleven. Back after this. Got about 10 minutes left. You want to jump in, 217-356-9397. A week out from the football opener, Illinois 5-7 last year, Wyoming coming off a 7-6 record. Have you ever seen a team lose this much uh, as Wyoming has lost in one year? I mean, it wasn't just the graduates. They had their very best players at a whole series of different positions have all left. Now, now they've replaced them with other people, but w- w- one of their uh, reporters uh, said that they only had three starters back. I also heard they had five starters back. I guess that de- that depends on what you consider a starter, but whatever the number, they, they're replacing an awful lot of players. And, and now they've got injuries on top of it. And they've got a similar number, three or four or five, number of seniors on the team. 
<laughs> they don't, that's why uh, Reese was talking about the inexperience that's why and the new people. In this new, when, you, when transfers are immediately eligible, it just changes everything, Steve. It just, you don't know what you're getting, you don't know who, what you're running into. And a lot of the uh, things that Reese uh, Monaco expects Wyoming to try to do are the same things that Illinois wants to do. Oh, sure. Establish that run, have a better passing game than last year. Yeah, exactly. They both want the same thing, don't they? Well, Illinois averaged 156 yards passing per game last year, and uh, Wyoming was 163 per game. So very similar. Got a couple calls, I do believe. Let's uh, go to uh, this call on line one. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm a White Sox fan up okay. here in Ford County. And um, the White Sox are doing a little NIL, and one of the basketball players they've signed is Terrence Shannon. Yeah, I saw he threw out the first pitch the other night. Yeah, yeah. So, And I think they've got somebody from Iowa and – I'm not sure who else, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they've yeah. got a lot of uh, Chicago area athletes involved in that. What uh, yeah. What did they yeah. say that they were going to have uh, something like seven or eight players that they were going to mm-hmm. support? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I they, wonder what they – do they do anything for them or they just – I think they have to do something for, for them. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what that is. Anyway, I just wanted to say when um, – Tim Anderson came as an Illinois basketball coach. I was, I was right on with him right away because of the other Tim Anderson that is such a favorite of mine. So mm-hmm. he, he got points for me just having the same name. <laughs> Tim, what, what, how would you describe Tim Anderson's season at shortstop for the White Sox this year overall? Are you asking me? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Um. I wish he'd quit getting hurt. <laughs> but otherwise, I, you know, he's the spark plug, I think. Yeah, and he's been he's been tossed in some games. He's lost some games. Uh, well, yes, because he's so um, spirited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Carol, well, we appreciate the call. Keep uh, keep uh, plugging on those White Sox and. Um, oh man, I had to turn it off last night. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and the other the day before I never even turned it on past the radio so well there's still time hang in there I know okay thank you thank you for taking time to call we appreciate it let's go to from Paxton to uh, Springfield and say hi to Bill hey Bill what's up hey uh, I just wanted to call to tell you I thought that uh, Bobby uh, the new quarterback for Illinois looks a lot like Joe Namath did when he first came up had that same swagger and uh, Paul Bebrant used to say that. Uh, he would tilt the, the field down when he tossed the ball. So, well, I, I do think he has swagger, but I don't think he's quite up to Joe Namath. <laughs> that's, okay. That's a pretty big step, isn't it? Oh, it is a big step, yeah. But I, I don't think he's got it, though. You know? Yeah, well, I, I, I think that he's definitely the guy, and he'll he'll get a chance to show what he can do. I mean, he's looked, he looked good, and what little we've seen of him, and, you know, we're not allowed to see very much, but what little we've seen – he looks very good. He had a terrific uh, spring game. I was what was oh, sixteen yes. out of twenty and passing right. him. If you, they got to get that passing completion rate up to up and over sixty percent, and it hasn't been there in recent years. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, well, I talk to you. Okay, Bill. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say hello to Peter in Champaign. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. I thought we'd uh, end the show on a high note here. 
Um, with this conference realignment and uh, uh, with California schools, uh, you know, we've been told that climate change is an existential threat. And uh, with all these uh, woke universities um, that have uh, bought into the, bought the Kool-Aid, uh, aren't, aren't we concerned, aren't, or aren't they concerned, about the uh, uh, fossil fuels that will be expended to transport these athletes clear across the uh, continent? Um, I would think that would contribute heavily to uh, global warming. So uh, here's a suggestion I have. Okay, let's we could, um, they could, Every athlete could um, ascent to walk to the highest point in the state and get a running jump and get some sort of a glider or something, and they could use wind power to get to their, uh, to their sporting event. And uh, if they catch that just right, that would work. And I would think the people in the Pac-10, the Los Angeles people, would have an advantage initially from us Midwesterners. Well, it's a west-to-east uh, wind, isn't it? I mean, it, it, well, I know it would be a challenge, but for, <laughs> for a dedicated climate activist, I'm sure they can accomplish this, Lauren. Well, what's, right. what's the highest point in the state of Illinois? Well, I don't know. I guess up in Galena, I think it's about 1,300. Or maybe get on the Sears Tower or something. But they, the, the kids could walk to the highest point in, in like, Mount Nittany in, uh, in Penn State. And uh, then they wouldn't have these carbon emissions, which are, are v- very vital. And I'm, I know they're concerned about their future. So I just thought I'd uh, p- send well, that out. We, I don't know what we would have done without that call. Thank you very much. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, t- 1055. <laughs> One final break on the show. We'll be back to wrap it up in just a moment. Stay with us. <laughs> Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online, PellaOfChampaign.com. 10.57, got three minutes left on this edition of the program. Next week, we'll be on regular time, 9 to 11, with that uh, 3 o'clock football kick. Matter of fact, for the first month of the season, our Saturday show won't really be affected by the start of football games. Everything is working out to where we'll be on regular time. Later in September, it will be, won't it? It will be. Well, yes, it will be. Once we get to uh, late September and October, but there are a lot of games we don't know the start times yet. But uh, anyway, for the foreseeable future, we'll be here right from 9 to 11. Yeah, we know we're going to have some 11 o'clock games before it's over, though. I don't know if you saw this, uh, thing called College Basketball Report put out, in their opinion, the top 100 current college basketball coaches. Did uh-huh. you see that this week? Yeah. Bill Self was number one. Scott Drew, number two. Calipari, Sampson, and few round out the top five. Where's Brad Underwood, you say? 26th, according to them. Who's higher than Brad Underwood, that you might question? I don't question Matt Painter. He's 20, and he's, he's a solid coach. I'm not, uh, I don't agree with Howard at number 13, Michigan State. think that's a little high. Jawan Howard. I do. <laughs> okay. But it's interesting if you're kicking around looking for something to check out. You know, I saw the starting lineup for Michigan projected today. 
And Hunter Dickinson, of course, was in the lineup. Do you know the other four guys are new guys? And I say new. I mean, they might have been on the squad last year, but they're not. They weren't prominent. At least I didn't recognize the names the way I thought I would when I looked at that lineup of names. We are out of time. Enjoy your your day and weekend there, Coach Tate. Appreciate you listening. Thanks to Jay Lehman, Nick Quartero, Craig McDonald, and Reese Monaco, our guests. Thanks for the phone calls this morning. Good to have the calls going again as we approach the season. And go Cubs. Go Cubs and go Cardinals. And go White Sox while we're at it. WDWS 93.9 FM, Champaign-Urbana. Steve Kelly, have a good weekend, everybody.